up your life to start anew You'll find out some things to be true Like you are stronger than you once knew Hi, I'm Lenora Calaruso. Has your journey towards health and wellness been a rocky road? Mine sure was. Plus, I have a busy life as a mother of five, a grandmother of two, an RN, a personal trainer, Reiki master, and a nutritional counselor. Whew! How do I fit it all in? Well, it's balance. Think, you know, Goldilocks and the three bears. Not too much of something and not too little. Just right. My podcast is designed to inspire you towards that next step of achieving and maintaining everlasting health and wellness. Welcome to It's a New Dawn for You. You pack up your life to start anew. You'll find out some things to be true. It's a New Dawn for You, which is the name of my business and podcast, came to me while meditating. My sister-in-law Dawn had died a couple of years before, and to say I was close to her is an understatement. She was my best friend, my confidant, pretty much my everything. The meaning of the name is my firm belief that there is always a new day, a new beginning to try again. And I felt it was Dawn giving me a message loud and clear that the name was perfect. I thought it appropriate to have one of my daughters of Dawn as my first podcast, Ali Chisuli, Alexandra Chisuli. Not only because she's the daughter of Dawn, but she's pretty damn amazing and inspiring. Let's get started. Alexandra is a certified licensed massage therapist, a neuromuscular therapist, and a Reiki master. She currently owns and operates a bodywork business in Madison, New Jersey called Vision of Dawn. How perfect is that? In addition to her professional life, she is a mother of three young children. So let's get going. Allie. Yes. Hi, Lenora. Hi. Um, I understand that massage therapy was a career change for you. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so when I came out of high school, I was pretty unsure about what exactly I wanted to do for the rest of my life, as I'm sure many young people are. Um, I knew that I had a couple of passions, but I uh, wasn't really sure that I wanted to make them career choice. Um, so when I was choosing colleges, I really just decided to choose somewhere that was close to home because I wasn't really ready to be too far yet. I went to uh, Montclair State University and did receive an undergraduate degree in fine arts with a concentration in photography. I do love doing that. There's something about um, the expression of taking a portrait and holding someone's essence in 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 that image um, that does really appeal to me. And in looking back, I think a lot of my uh, studies with photography did end up having to do something with the body. So my career change was not that far-fetched from where I was. I just didn't really realize at the time what exactly I was passionate about. 
Um, so when I received my undergraduate degree and tried to fulfill a career in photography, I knew something didn't feel quite right. So I kept for what brought me the most joy in my life. And that wasn't it. I didn't feel comfortable in business and of making art. I enjoyed how the art made me feel inside. And I enjoyed how the process of the art made me feel, but I didn't enjoy the business aspect of it at all. So I knew that I had to make a change. Around that same time, um, I know you've, you've already spoken a little bit to, um, about my mother. Around that same time, my mother did become ill, and uh, she passed away very quickly. But in, in the few short months that we knew that she was not well, I remembered her um, constantly asking to be loved in some way, shape, or form whether it was her shoulder or her legs, there was always something that was achy and uncomfortable. And in retrospect, I don't think any of us really understood how she was in. I don't know that she really wanted us to know. Um, so when she passed away, I was still in search of what fulfilled me and what brought me joy at the same time. And I say that massage therapy was in the forefront of imagination. It really it wasn't, if I'm being honest. I was online one day searching career paths and um, I came across an advertisement for a massage school. I clicked on it and I read about it and I thought, but you know what? That is something that I feel like I could do and that I could do well. I always with my hands, whether it was in the art room or in the ceramic studio. Um, when I was in class, I preferred to smudge things with my fingers as opposed to using a brush. So um, for some reason, it didn't feel like I was being pulled in that direction when I read this advertisement. So I filled out the form, and I got a phone call from this school. It was called Outline Medical and Technical Institute in Queen, New Jersey. So it was nice and close. I was living in Bloomfield at the time. Sorry, West Orange, actually. Um, so this woman called me, and she invited me in for an interview. And when I went in to check out the school and listen to her spiel, I decided to sign up on the spot. I didn't really give much thought. I just went with my butt. And, and, and at, that that really point, at that point, at that point, were you still um, doing photography at all? or I was working for a local photo lab as their technician. Yes, I was also nannying. Um, so I, I was I was kind of a, a jack of all trades at the time, just trying to um, make ends meet. I was living on my own. I moved out of my house right, um, right when I went to college. I ended up getting an apartment my sophomore year. So I was supporting myself mm -hmm. um, and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, so, yeah, so I was doing a little bit of photography. Um, I would do birthday parties and stuff like that. Uh, I've done a couple weddings. Um, but, again, I think the pressure of the business side of it just made me anxious more than anything. Yeah. So you went so with your, you went with your gut. You, went, you had went already, with my gut. Yeah, yeah you already realized gut. the gut connection with, 
making your decisions and going with your gut, right? Yeah, it was becoming clear that um, that something was at play and that I couldn't ignore because I was uncomfortable. That's that's the that's the best way I can recall to describe it was just being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I didn't it didn't feel right. My life didn't feel right at that point. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, once I started taking, I think my first class when I went to school was anatomy, and. The second we opened the book and started reading about the way the body worked, it felt like um, I couldn't get enough of it. Mm -hmm. So I knew mm -hmm. I was in the right place. Mm -hmm. um, and I went through school. Um, it takes about 11 months to get through um, the, the Swedish massage program. And I remember one of my uh, professors, my hands-on professor, remarking to another one of the teachers there that she couldn't wait for me to graduate so that she could come to my business mm -hmm. and, and get some work done. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was a good, that was a good um, validation for me. And it really made me feel secure mm -hmm. um, even more so in the fact that I felt really connected to the work for the first time, mm -hmm. for the first time in my life. I mean, you know, I, I always enjoyed cooking and like I said, really anything that was tangible, but there was something about the body that I felt like I already knew mm -hmm. um, that, that I shouldn't know because mm -hmm. I didn't study enough. It just, the body just made sense to me. The reactions of the muscles made sense to me. The feeling that I got when I was doing the work made sense to me. And I, I feel and felt right away a certain sense of calm that I don't necessarily feel in other aspects of my life when I'm at my studio doing my work. Mm -hmm. Now, I remember you um, cooking, you know, and I'm just remembering this now. Um, so even that cooking uh, connection to the body and putting good energy in your food, and I think you are always connected with that too and taking care of your body through your food, making your making – Yes. Your, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, and I wouldn't say always. Actually, to be quite honest, that also uh, a lot of a lot of that awareness also came after my mother passed away, and I think I as as um, heartbroken as I was, and as long as it took me to just get through a day without sobbing, I think I got I got a lot of benefit from. Uh, hopefully, this doesn't sound horrible because it's not meant to, but I got a lot of benefit from her passing. Mm -hmm. I got, I had, a, I had a huge awakening, um, mm -hmm. uh, post death. And, and I think that she, she had a lot to do with that. You know, I, I, um, I was vegan since the age of 15. So, um, so the understanding of how I wanted to eat was there, but I don't think I, I necessarily did it in a really healthy way all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and it certainly didn't become a passion as far as like creating meals and, um, making things healthy that aren't necessarily healthy. Um, all of that came later and, and came sort of enter intertwined with, um, the uh, transition I made with coming out of massage school and trying to start that type of a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I remember you um, probably starting that whole cascade of veganism way back then. You were like the, the gold nugget of veganism. And then everybody 
kind of just follow along in your footsteps. In the family, yes. Do you definitely. know? You know? I mean, you did. You did good. You did good. It was like, uh, you know, even if you're not vegan, you know, being more aware of what you're putting into your body is number one. You know, it's so important. You know, so it is. Yeah. It definitely is. And I've raised my kids that way so far. I mean, they definitely give me some pushback that I wish they didn't, but. You have to be able to bend to in this world because if you push too hard, um, then then you get much less out of it. I think so. My kids are mostly vegan, um, but uh, but I'm just glad that I can teach them, you know, what certain foods are good for and um, what you can do with food to heal your body. And I think. Um, and I, and I incorporate that into my massage business too. You know, I talk about food all the time. It's Mm -hmm. interesting. I hadn't expected to talk about food so much, um, in this call, but I'm realizing as we're talking about it, that I do sort of, um, uh, maybe covertly even, uh, use my business as a way to educate people, um, in the respect of food as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it all kind of goes together. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's important to remark on that because um, the body can't be healthy if you put crap in it. It's just not going to happen. Good energy into your body brings good energy out into the world. And even with my personal training, totally 90% of what it is is diet and nutrition. So even even the way we prepare our food with love you have to prepare it with love and even if the food may not be the best for you i always tell clients you know pray before your food you know whatever angels please give me good energy from this food whatever it is you know so yeah you get yeah that's a good that's a good point and i think you and i both being reiki masters can attest to this i went in reiki one i was surprised when um part of that teaching in the in the first Reiki module was to practice on doing Reiki on your food and your water. Yep. Um, and I think that has that says a lot in and of itself because the energy shift that we can put into the food just by focusing on it and intending it to be nourishing is um, is something very powerful. So powerful. So, Even if you know Uncle Todd, you know my husband when he's making me something and he's angry about something, I'm like, you're not making that with love. I'm not eating it. <laughs> and it's almost like a joke, but it's not. I'm, I, I feel it. I, no, it's you, not. It's true. And you can feel it even in, in certain restaurants. If you go to certain restaurants, you know, oh, the yeah. restaurants that really put their all into what they're making for you and the restaurants that are just getting crap out of the kitchen. Very good point. Definitely a good point. Um, so I wanted to ask you, what exactly is the difference between massage therapist and a neuromuscular massage therapist? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, there's there's two answers. The first answer is short. There's not much of a difference. You're going to put your hands on someone in, in both modalities and look for changes in the um, – the muscle tension or tone, as we say. So the tonic quality of the muscle is how tight it is or how um, pliable it is. So in both um, modalities, what you're looking for is a, is a pliable tissue. So 
the neuromuscular therapy just takes um, any other, like let's say Swedish massage where the strokes are very long and relaxing and all of your strokes move towards the heart. Mm-hmm. Swedish, Swedish massage is your base massage um, modality. So you're increasing circulation, you're affecting lymph fluid a little bit, you're, um, you're affecting the, the um, nervous system and um, the energetic body of the client, um, just like with when we prepare our food with love, um, the outcome is better. If you give a massage with love and respect, the outcome is better. Mm-hmm. So, um, so in that respect, the modalities are the same. What neuromuscular therapy or NMT does differently is it focuses on the trigger points that are stuck in the fibers of the muscle tissue. Mm-hmm. So what we do when we study for that modality is we learn where trigger points develop and trigger points um, are an active nerve bundle stuck in a specific fiber of a specific muscle. Do you call that, do you call that fascia or is it when the fascia is bound and? Um, There can be trigger points stuck in fascia. There can be trigger points stuck in organs. There can Mm -hmm. be trigger points stuck in um, muscle tissue. Mm -hmm. Um, There can be trigger points on periosteum, which is the the connective tissue on top of the bone. Um, It really depends on the body. Um, It depends on what the body's been dealing with. And um, a lot of it depends on posture. Uh, So we can speak to what you do with clients. Um, I'm sure you do a bit of um, corrective posture work with people. And no matter what you do exercise-wise, if you have the muscle memory um, working against you, you probably will have a very difficult time retraining um, a muscle group to work properly because there could be a trigger point stuck that is inhibiting your mm-hmm. uh, proper contraction of mm-hmm. that muscle. So, um, so having you in conjunction so, yeah, so to my job, and so my job as an NMT is to kind of be a detective. Um, I, I, I think it was pretty poignant. The professor that I had called uh, called it detective work, and it's. It's true. I mean, you can ask a client what their problem is, and you can pinpoint a couple of muscles that it could be. Um, that, but the the long and the short of the treatment is that I have to warm the tissue just like I would with any other massage, and then explore the fibers, and I have to find where that trigger point is, and I have to release it. And um, it gets a little bit more complicated, and and um, I can. You know, I can keep talking about it if you want me to, but the, the, the general idea is that you find the active trigger points and you deactivate them by applying compression until they, until they give up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the tricky part and where you can keep having a conversation is sometimes the trigger points that you find are not what we call the primary trigger. And so you're, you can release all these satellite triggers all you want, but until you can find the primary trigger, um, you will continue to have the problem creep back. Uh, right. And could and that, be, that problem be like a mental problem too, like just a constriction in their, in their, in their thought process, not, not being open to 
receiving, like in a Reiki um, session, if they're not open? You know what I'm saying? No. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. Um, typically, I would say with a trigger point specific um, issue, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to attest to it being um, a, a conscious barrier or even a subconscious barrier. Um, typically with a trigger point, it's because that muscle has been either too active or inactive um, for right. too long. So these little bundles form because there's been either a lack of oxygen to the tissue right. or, um, or uh, the muscle's been contracted for so long, it's been so hypertonic is what we call it, Yeah, that mm -hmm. there's been no relaxation. So mm -hmm. then when the body is asked to do more work, um, it, it really can't. Mm -hmm. So... So it then starts to like uh, form these little nodules in in the fibers. Mm -hmm. So um, so yeah, there there could be a conscious or subconscious barrier from a, from what we call a somatic patterning standpoint. So basically, all that means is that our brain perceives certain ways that we're supposed to uh, position our bodies in space. Mm -hmm. um, and that and that can happen from you watching our parents. Proprioception. Uh, yes and no. So proprioception is your uh, your reality of where you are in space. Mm -hmm. So what I mean what I mean more so is it's how we believe we're meant to move. So people can have somatic patterning from how they watch their parents walk. Uh, you'll oftentimes see, like, um, I see clients all the time who uh, who see me for a long time and then their kid comes home from college and is having a back problem and sends them into me. And the kid's body is exactly the same as their parent. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't happen by mistake. That happens because our brains pick up patterns of movement over time and it assimilates it into how it believes we should be uh, positioned, right? Mm -hmm. And it, how we should be gating, how we should be, so gating is walking, so how we should be um, using our bodies, we pick up these patterns, they're called somatic patterns, because we don't really even know that they're happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, so typically it's from watching our parents or a family member, because those are the people that we see most often, but it can happen for other reasons too. It can happen because of a traumatic experience that our body just compensates for, Um it can happen, you know, for for um, for any number of reasons, really. It just, I don't know if you've ever, it, have you ever been around a person who has a, an English accent and you find yourself saying certain words the way they are? Yeah. It's sort of, it, yeah. it's a similar concept. Mm -hmm. It's a similar concept. So then it becomes muscle memory. Mm -hmm. So I think more than the trigger points being mentally induced, if you want to call it that, I think it has to do more with muscle memory. Mm -hmm. um, so if you are not going to correct the fact that you have a medial rotation on your uh, left shoulder, right. then that, that anterior deltoid is just going to continue in your, and your pec major and your pec minor, they're going to continue to be short, right? Right. So unless you correct that by doing the proper exercises to strengthen your middle back muscles, yeah. While you're stretching out and releasing the tension in your anterior muscles, 
you're never going to fix that problem. And the trigger points don't necessarily come back because you have a block. They come back because you don't fix your posture problem. Right. You don't fix, you're not fixing that muscle memory. Mm-hmm. So my, my job and your job really are extremely synergistic. Because, mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yes, because without, without, like, I could fix somebody, and then two weeks later they come back with the same problem because they're not putting the effort in to strengthen the muscles that need to be strengthened mm-hmm. in order to to allow that other muscle to release properly. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's actually quite quite fitting that that you and I are on a call together because it it does go hand in hand. And I tell people that all the time. Yeah, all all the time. I, that's why I believe it, the, the client I have that comes to you and vice versa. She's, I think it, it's great, that whole synergy that we have. It's so important to have us both in her life. So it's definitely important and much needed, you know, both training, personal training and massage for her. Um, oh, absolutely. I wish more people would listen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What part does Reiki, if anything, if any, play with your massage technique? Um, well, it plays a big, a big part in. And what is Reiki? In a lot of what I do. Can you explain what, Reiki? I mean, I know what Reiki is, but can you explain Reiki to the sure. audience? Uh, I can explain Reiki from my perspective and mm-hmm. the way I understand sure. it. I'm, I'm sure that a lot of people who practice Reiki um, have their own take on it because it is very personal in my opinion. Okay. Um, I, when, I, when I think of doing Reiki, I think of really tuning into the energy that's flowing from um, – and. I'm a, what I'm about to say may sound a lot like craniosacral work. Okay. So that's why I, that's why I say it's very personal to me and how I use it. Um, I I do the whole Reiki ritual that you're taught and how to quote unquote turn it on. And I you know I talk to uh, Dr. Yusui and I he's the founder of the current um, branch of, of Reiki tradition that that I studied under. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I tune into his energy and ask for his help and guidance um, for the greater good of, um, you know, of all mankind and of the being on my table at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and so I, I tune in in that way. But then the way I work with the energy is I do feel it. I feel it entering through my crown chakra and pulsating through my palms. So it's, I, I act as a channel for, um, for Reiki energy, which is essentially uh, life force energy. Reiki is just another word for chi. Um, so you're basically pulling all of the, the life force energy or the chi from source or the universe or God or um, particles in the room. It's really however you want to look at it. And, um, and I am, I am, um, giving it to the person that is, has asked for it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, so the way I experience it in a tangible sense is I feel the flow of energy from that person's, uh, crown chakra down through the soles of their feet. Mm -hmm. And my goal in a typical session is to, um, 
to open the crown chakra and then flow the energy through the rest of the chakras and out the feet. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the soles of the feet, in my understanding and in my um, experience in learning this, is, are the portholes to um, releasing or for releasing negative energies. So mm-hmm. if I go down to the feet and I don't feel a lot of movement, I stay there for a while and I wait to feel that movement happening and then I sort of will and intend for all that energy to come flowing through their body and through their feet. And once I feel that happening, then I can sort of move around the body and um, and make sure that there's no areas that uh, feel quote-unquote stuck. I've always had that feeling in my palms of some sort of pulsation or tingling or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's I think my massage work and the reason why I'm able to be as successful as I am it is my calling, so to speak. And so when I do massage, I'm doing massage with an intuition rather than a technical skill. Well, I do have technical skills um, and I've been I've studied several different modalities and I kind of just lump them all together based on what I'm feeling in the tissues. Um my bread and butter, so to speak, is my intuitive abilities. Um, and I'm not calling myself a psychic by any means, but what I, what I have always noticed about myself from day one is that I know what the tissue can handle and I know where I need to put my hands for some reason. And so I've always kind of had that Reiki or chi uh, working for me uh, and with me and through me mm-hmm. in my massage work. And sometimes I do intend on it specifically while I'm doing uh, a more um, manual body work. But more often than not, when I really want to use Reiki, I need to be more still. Mm-hmm. If I'm, and, and, I want to kind of amend that statement because when I'm doing a Reiki session, I'm not still. I am moving the energy, so I'm I'm up at the head, and then I'm down, you know, uh, engulfing the arm or the leg or the feet, or you know, and I and then sometimes I'll actually like physically move the energy by um, by uh, sweeping my hands over the body. So I'm it's not static by any means, but. By still, I mean more thoughtful and um, more concentrated mm-hmm. on the fact and on the fact that I'm using the energy rather than um, concentrated on the tangible tissue that's in my hand. So there is a difference there, but I think when I when I work, the Reiki is working with me regardless of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that being said, if I have someone on the table that's really not open to that kind of stuff. I definitely feel it. Mm-hmm. So so I won't feel it flowing. Um, somebody has to want and ask for Reiki, um, whether it's in their higher self or from their from their physical mouth, they have to ask for it. And yeah, because so ultimately, ultimately they are the healer. Right. They are the healer. And, and that's where I feel like you and I are so connected. Um, if you guys have not picked that up, I, him, or aunt, (laughs) but, um, my, um, we're very, very connected in that way where everything you've just said is 
something that I feel that I've always had too in my hands and uh, practicing Reiki and um, just always have always had that that feeling in my in my hands of, with healing and knowing when people are ready to receive and when they're not and yeah. knowing when to back off um, you know so yeah it's definitely um, it's an it's an innate sense of connection with people Mm-hmm. I, th- I think you I think people can learn it don't oh, get me yeah. wrong but but I think that you're some people are just born with the inner knowing of more in um, tune what, what people need yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um all right I how how Allie yeah. do you not run out of strength <laughs> when you have clients back to back I know there's a technique of course and I know if you, the audience uh, has not heard, you are a single mom of three little kids, active yep. children, and you <laughs> have your own business, and you work many hours, and you are an amazing mother. Um, Thank you. How, how do you not run out of that strength? How do you keep your sanity? How do you keep your spirit high? Tell me. Well, I... I get asked this question a lot, actually, and um, my answer is it's kind of twofold. So, first of all, I I am not always um, feeling good, but when I when I go to my to my studio, I guess I'd call it, um, to do my work, even if I'm really fatigued. Generally speaking, when I start to work on somebody, I get energized by the work. So part of it has to do with um, with divine intervention. I think sometimes, you know, I will, I do start my day typically asking for my spirit guides and my uh, my angels to assist me if I'm if I'm feeling low, especially uh, if I'm having issues in my own body. I will, I will call upon divine help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am not a, I'm not a, a typically or deeply religious person, but I am spiritual and I do believe that if we need help, we can ask for it. Mm-hmm. And I've received help on many occasions on days that I didn't think that I could make it through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's a big part of it for me, just believing that I'm not alone and that I can ask for help if I need it in that sense. I, I always feel protected and strengthened by that, whether it's in my head or whether it's for real, um, you know, you be the judge of that. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's very real. And um, so that's part of it. Mm-hmm. The other part of it is that, you know, like you said, I do work back to back. I do about a six hour block on any given day of massage work with no break. And, um, it is it is taxing. I think the biggest thing for me is finding time to put food in my mouth that hmm. um, help that can help me get through. That's not going to weigh me down. Yeah. And so um, and we're going to come back to food again. You know, hmm. I think I tell people people who ask me this question in my office, I tell them that I treat myself a lot like an athlete would treat themselves. I make sure that I have the right nutrition. 
I make sure that I take the right herbs. Um, I make sure that I drink enough water. Um, some days are better than others with that last point. Um, but um, I do think that I, I treat myself like a, 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 like a machine who needs the right fuel, and that's, that's the truth of it. Um, and I think we're even, we're even better than a machine. So we, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, so talk about mind, body, soul. I think when you ask me how I find the strength, it's that it's that it's the connection of my, um, my conscious being knowing what I need to achieve for the day and saying to myself, you can do this. And my spirit body asking for the spiritual protection and, and strength, um, from my, uh, spirit guides and angels and my um, my physical body being fueled by the right foods and being exercised and you know given enough water and stretching and um, you know all of those pieces kind of come together and at the end of the day I'm really tired <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I know. You know I don't blame so, you I'm, You're human. You know, the other thing is getting enough sleep. You have oh, to yeah, get enough sleep. sleep. Huge. And I and I go to bed early. Mm-hmm. So And um, good quality so, sleep too. Yeah. Good quality sleep. Yeah, um definitely. Yeah, and how I preach to my clients how, you know, you have to put yourself first because because what happens when you start doing all this work and you're put on the back burner? It happens. I mean I find that for myself too, especially with my yoga practice, um, teaching and then not really practicing myself. And, but then I, you know, get into reality and know that if I don't take care of myself, I can't be benefit beneficial to my children and to my husband, to others, to friends. So it's really important to take care of yourself. Yeah, it is. And I, you know, I did lose sight of that for a while. Um, but it's, you know, it, it, every like everything else in life, it ebbs and flows, and um, I am. I love that much, ebbing and flowing, ebbing and flowing. Yeah, and I'm, and I, you know, and I'm in a much better place right now. At least I'm sure something else will come up in my life that might derail me. Um, but I think for the most part, I'm pretty aware of of that. And in certain times of my life, I called myself selfish for that, and and came down on myself for it. But like you said, it's you're no good to anybody else if you're no good to yourself. And it's really the truth of it. You it know, is. It really is. We can say that and, you know, it's like fluff sort of, but it's not. It's so important, so important. And having five grown children now and grandchildren, and I realize just how important that it is. And, you know, to put yourself and first. You, it's, not, right. it's not selfish to put yourself first at all. No. And you're also leading by example. So if putting yourself first means, you know, going to, uh, I, I don't even know, because I don't want to put anybody down what self-care is to them. But I think if, if self-care to you is, you know, taking care of your body and making sure you have the time to prep the right food and making sure you have the time to meditate and making sure you have the time to um you know, take care of things and, and keep your house in order because to me that that's sanity to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a good example for my children 
And it's a good example for my clients. I have to say, like people tell me all the time, and this is not to pat my ego, but that they talk to me about things they wouldn't talk to other people about because I have good ideas on how to handle it. And I Mm -hmm. think that just comes from the experience of um, having to figure out how to to handle things for myself. Mm -hmm. And, And like you said, I'm by myself with three kids, and that takes a lot. Um, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy. And I, I had to really learn how to kind of piece it all together. And a lot of that comes from from learning how to cook meals that are really good for you, but only take 20 minutes and learning how to, um, you know, manage your time in certain ways and self-care without having to go and get a massage. And I give people tools all the time of um, how to how to do work for their own body so that they don't have to come to see me all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important. I think you have to be able, you have to know your body. And I don't think enough people know their body to, to really take care of themselves. Yeah. You have to have that connection to your body and be aware of the sensations. And I say that all the time to my clients and know what's up in your body. Well, Allie, this was really a wonderful, beautiful conversation. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add um, to on the topic of massage therapy or anything else? I think the only the only thing that I that I guess I should say that I that I believe really firmly is I think people now, I'm so happy that, that people are seeing massage, body work, and Reiki as a part of their wellness routine instead of a way to pamper themselves. And, and, and that's so awesome. But I, what I want to say to that is your wellness routine is a way to pamper yourself. And, and, and pampering shouldn't be a negative word. Uh, we should we should really uh, embrace wanting to take care of ourselves and make ourselves feel good, and um, and if if pampering is a massage, then 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 pampering is health. So I think people are starting to shift their perception of that, and I love that, and I, I just hope that um, something that I've said can help someone else. Uh, feel more um, more grounded and more um, accepting of wanting to do those types of things for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, I guess that's that's really. That's no, I really agree. That's I agree really, with I'm you. really proud of the. I'm proud of the consciousness on this planet starting mm. to shift. I'm, I'm really feeling that shift happening, and so, that so people do are I. starting. Yeah, no, starting to, to get it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome and wonderful. Um, Allie, uh, with each podcast, um, I'd like myself and my guest to share info about one of our favorite items, our food, or perhaps something that perhaps didn't work for us. Um, This week, I'll start first. My item is coconut oil. Um, It's an item that I will never run out of. Uh, of course, it's been around for a long time. It's been like in the mainstream, I would say even more than recently, for a few years now. It's been, um, you know, negative and positive things about it. But I've been using it for about 14 years. 
and I stumbled upon coconut oil before it became mainstream now um, when I was researching warding off Alzheimer's because I had a major car accident was 19 I had a fractured skull and um, my father died of Alzheimer's so I was looking for natural remedies to ward off any negative uh, thing that may have come up, come from hitting my head so hard um, so that's what I came up with I found it through uh, the internet books um, and it made perfect sense to me being a nurse and really knowing about health a little bit deeper than maybe the lay person but the brain is made up of fat um, so I bathe myself in this fat at the therapeutic dose is about two tablespoons um, uh, in the process of using it, uh, it had lowered my anxiety, um, it raised my HDL, the good cholesterol, um, it helps you to keep full, gives me energy, and it fights off viruses and bacteria, and, bacteria, and is antifungal. It has medium chain fatty acids, which means it digests as fast as sugar in the body, so it's a really a good use of, for energy. So I put it, I actually don't really like the taste plain, so I put it in my smoothie, and I've been doing this for about 14 years. Um, you can get it at Costco. Uh, you want to get a cold-pressed organic um, coconut oil. Um, and I'll, I will tell you, if I, I know how long I can go without it. I can go about maybe three days, and then I start to get anxiety. I start to feel out of sorts. So I would really invite the audience to really look into it and research it. Um, it's something that could be added to any food regimen, and I think it's wonderful. So would never be without my coconut oil. So that is my first item for my first podcast. Do you have anything you would like to I share? Love, I love that. That's really awesome. Yeah. Um, that was really good information, and when, I, when you first said that, I thought I knew what I was going to talk about, and then you said it could be a food item and I think I changed my mind so hopefully that's okay yeah um I don't have as much to say about this product as you had about coconut oil but um I'm gonna go with uh nutritional yeast because I think one of the biggest um questions that I get asked uh as a vegan and a vegan mom especially is um about uh, uh b12 B12 is typically only found in organ meats and, um, and meat in general. And so, and, and B12 is a necessary um, nutrient for the brain and the nervous system. Mm -hmm. And um, the only plant source that you can get it from is something called nutritional yeast. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been using this product uh, since I had children. I didn't know of it until then. I, it, all the questions that I got asked uh, when I knew that I was going to be raising vegan children prompted me to figure out how I could answer those questions and, and have good answers for people. And what I found was that this nutritional yeast does provide the body um, without having to take a, an additional supplement with this B12. And so I started putting it, um, I make popcorn for the kids and I use coconut oil to make the popcorn 
um, and then I sprinkle it with some sea salt and a nice uh, handful of nutritional yeast, and it's delicious. It almost has a sort of cheesy flavor to it. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to make that tonight, Al. It's so good. <laughs> it's really, really good. Um, yeah. So it's like a treat. Um, but then you can also make a, you can make like a pseudo mac and cheese with it, my kids love. You just add it to some organic um, plain almond milk. It thickens the almond milk and makes a sort of a cheesy mix. And then I add some white beans to that and puree it and um, some garlic powder and mustard powder. And it tastes just like mac and cheese. Um, and uh, you can really sprinkle it on anything, on salads, on um, chili, on, you know, if you think about it, you would know exactly what to use it for. And yeah. so we use that product constantly in this house. And um, I really think that it makes a big difference for us nutritionally. I've never, ever had blood work done for the kids where the doctor has come back and said, yeah. hey, they're a little, little low on their B vitamins. Yeah, I've used it before. I don't, I know Robin, you're my daughter and yep. your cousin. She uses it a lot. Um, yeah. But we're running out of time. But okay. I really, really enjoyed speaking with you, Allie. I love you so much. You're amazing. Um, where fun. can, um, our listeners get in touch with you or, um, so currently I do not have a website. My business name is vision of dawn and I am going to be working on a website that's going to be up and running in the spring sometime. So if they want to just, uh, Google me every once in a while. Okay, so my hope is that you as a listener will come away from this podcast with a tidbit of information that inspires you in some way towards a healthier you. Thank you for joining us today on It's a New Dawn for You. Our show today was directed and edited by Sharon Ellis Murray. Our theme song is called Dear I, written and performed by my own son, Angela Michael, and available at Bandcamp.com. And I'm your host, Lenora Calarusa, wishing you everlasting health and wellness. You can ask questions and find me by email at It's a New Dawn for You, the number you, four and the letter U, at Gmail or on Instagram at It's a New Dawn for You, Mind, Body, Spirit, or Facebook at It's a New Dawn. I'm also in the process of building my own website, which can be accessed at It's a New Dawn, New Remember, there's always a chance to start anew. Your thoughts and actions shape your reality, and you are the captain of your ship. Peace out. Pack up your life to start anew. You'll find out some things to be true. Like you are stronger than you once knew. Yeah.